Good morning and God bless you in the powerful, victorious name of Christ Jesus, our soon returning Lord. I want to thank Peg for the opportunity to share God's word, his heart with you today. Let's open with prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day to be together to hear your word. I ask that your work in my heart to faithfully deliver your word and may you help us to see your message so that we can run with it to our blessing and to the and to bless others with it in Jesus name amen so we've all heard the truth that Jesus did not come to start a religion he came to establish a relationship a deeper way to say this may be that Jesus didn't come with another man's design of how to interact with other men, but instead he came to show us the way to our eternal home and to bring us into an intimate relationship with God so we could enjoy his goodness with and toward our spiritual family, not, not just someday, but here and now. Thus, I wanted to look with you at some of God's goodness and his desire for us regarding the joy of the family. So take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, start in verse 16. As God has said, I will dwell with them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 18, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So we see here that God does want and expects to be our God, i.e. that which we worship, and rightly so. But he also wants the intimacy of a family. He wants to be our loving father and we, his beloved children. I will be a father unto you, he says. So in Matthew 7, uh, let's start in Matthew, um, in Matthew 5, chapter, or Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we have the servant on the mount, which is an enlightening, world-changing discourse that Jesus had with his followers. During that sermon, Jesus laid out some poignant truths on how we are to live within ourselves and toward others so as to enjoy our best life. He also painted a picture for all of us of God's heart toward us as a father, which was and still is a revolutionary concept to many. Jesus introduces us to God as our Father who art in heaven. And as the one who provides for even the birds and flowers. So if he, he points out that if he'll do that for, for them, the birds and the flowers, how much more will he do for us, his children, if we will just deeply, fully trust and seek him above all? So turn to uh, Matthew 7. Go to Matthew 7. We'll start in verse 11 with light in Matthew 7 verse 7 ask and it shall be given you seek 
and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives. And he that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things unto them that ask him? See, God wants us to know that not only is he God Almighty, but he is also our Father. We should note that a father figure is one who's expected to watch over, protect, and provide for his family, especially his children. We've all had varying experiences with our earthly fathers, some good not some, and some not so. But as, So I want you to here put aside any biases so as to get this message that God wants to share with us. In Matthew 7, verses 11, we see that as imperfect humans... In verse 11, Jesus calls our best attempts at our, as fathers evil when compared to God's good gifts. Since God's ability and willingness is to give good gifts unto his children, it behooves us to regularly consider and remember them. God's goodness spans all areas of our lives, both physically and spiritually. We're Three-part beings, body, soul, and spirit. We want to take a look at each of those briefly in light of the joy of, of the family. So flip to, go back to the beginning here in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God formed man of the dust of the earth, i.e., his physical body. Adam is from the Hebrew word Adama, which simply means soil or earth. That's how God formed Adam, out of the dust of the earth, his body. But he did a whole lot more than that. Take a look at Psalms, one, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 14. I think David was the psalmist here. He says, by revelation, I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. See, although I'm not as knowledgeable as lots of others, I can guarantee my daughters are far better than I am at this. I can truly say that our physical bodies are truly amazing machines. If we just 
consider the basics of how muscles work or how our bodies process food and convert it to energy or how our eyes and ears bring in and interpret our environment and send it to our brain. It's awe-inspiring. It's crazy inspiring. Not, and not to mention that the brain itself is firing, they say, uh, about 100,000 plus chemical reactions every second to run the machine that is our body. That's hard to imagine. That's beyond my scope, but that's God. So in light of that, praise God. I've been generally pretty healthy, but even if I wasn't, God still covers. Let's take a look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. We'll start in verse 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Great truths here. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You know, when Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, phenomenal verses. You know, when I first grasped the truths laid out in Isaiah 53, explaining our forgiveness, that it's on completely legal grounds, it floored me. So we're, we're, ne- we're nearing a time when we give special recognition of Christ's sacrifice, you know. Um, remembering what he fully accomplished is key. We see in Le- Leviticus 17.11, that God makes known that his law, the law he established, demands that it's by the shedding of blood is the remission of sins. To this point, we see some great truths in Isaiah 53. In verse 5, it says, the Messiah, looking forward to Christ, says he was wounded for our transgressions. A wound has external bleeding, thus covering my outward sins of commission and or omission. Those are outward. Bloodshed by the wound, outwardly. Bruised, he was bruised for our iniquity. Bruising entails internal bleeding. He shed blood internally to cover my iniquity, the natural, the internal natural sin, nat- the internal sin nature with which we were born. None of our fault, but we had it. But he took care of it. Going on further, the chastisement of our peace, the mental anguish Jesus suffered in the garden and endured throughout that whole ordeal was to cover any and all mental distress or illness. He took, he endured that for us. And finally, by his stripes, 
we are healed. He had to suffer the extreme physical abuse to legally claim our complete physical wholeness. So between those four things, he covered it all legally. No arguments. Fully covered. You know, and uh, so uh, flipping over to, in light of that, flipping over to 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, who his own self, talking about Jesus, now that's, now he's done the deed, prophesied in Isaiah 53, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed in isaiah 53 it says by his stripes we are healed after christ's sacrifice it says we were healed past tense done deal he made wholeness available for us to claim on perfectly legal grounds. And the cool thing about it is even if we fail to claim his perfect deliverance, God, through Jesus Christ, he, he's inspired others, doctors and such, in many areas with ways to even heal our frailties if we can't claim the the deliverance we have spiritually. God is good, always. See, there's so much joy we can take away from this reality just because we're part of God's family. So let's be sure to enjoy it. So now, in going back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse Seven again, and, God, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We just took a quick look at the joy we can have in regards to our physical body. Now, let's take a look at our soul life in relationship to See, uh, the breath of life, and be, it says he breathed in, in the nostrils and he became a living soul. Breath life, a living soul is breath life or our soul. The soul is what makes you, you. It's your personality, your thoughts, etc., so let's take a look at our own, at our soul life in relationship to seeing the joy of being in the family. Let's go to John, 3 John, chapter 2. Third, well, 3 John, uh, there's only one chapter, sorry. 3 John, verse 2. 3 John, Verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. God's desire is that we prosper, be led in the good way, and be in health, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally to him or with him. 
Can we just realize that God is love and he loves us? Wish above all things that we prosper and be in health. God loves, God is love and he loves us. Can we grasp and enjoy that God has never, God has never, I repeat, God has never had a bad thought about us. That's, I know it's true. <laughs> Just hard to claim on a, all the time, but it's true. God has never had a bad thought about us. You, you know, imagine the release from stress and condemnation if we and others will just believe this reality. Not as a truth in our head, but moment by moment, claiming it, living it. You know, if, if God's great desire is that we prosper and be in health, then how do we re- go about receiving it? What's the standard? Tells us right there in verse 2, even as our soul prospers. Our soul is our breath life. It's our, remember, it's our personality, who we are, etc. These features or these parts of us are governed by our minds, our, by our mindset. Take a look at Proverbs 23. We'll see it. Proverbs 23 tells us, Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, it's the Greek word, kardia. That's the innermost part of my mind. What I deep down truly believe governs who I am and what I do. Let's take a look at uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, verse 1. If there be any, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Not let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Verse 5, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Let it. Let this mind be in you as it was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and it was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. The mindset that will cause my soul to prosper and bring God joy. Remember, he said, I have no greater joy than the mind. It's the mindset that will cause my soul to prosper and bring God joy 
is to let the mind of Christ reign in me, i.e. obedience. Let the mind of Christ. It's there. We're supposed to let the mind of Christ reign in me. How? Through obedience, just like Jesus. So though far, though, <clears throat> excuse me, although I'm far from perfect at it, God has indeed prospered me, prospered me in many ways, in my job, in the opportunity of meeting Peg many years ago, having you as my spiritual family, etc. Lots of great things, but outside my decision or my obedience to trust Christ for salvation, I'd say that accepting my accepting God's gift of Elena in my life is one of the biggest. It's through her, it's primarily through her influence and support. I gotta I've gotta give her credit, give her props. You know, it's through her influence and support. We have three wonderful daughters and we've had many opportunities in life to enjoy on, in many categories. And in, for all this, I am truly thankful. You know? Um, so back to... Um, in, I mean, what more can I say? She's a great woman. She's a great wife. And a great blessing to me. But to the, back to the teaching. Enough aside. So regarding receiving God's prosperity and health, as thy soul prospers, in addition to thankfulness, hopefully, which I'm learning to play, uh, display more and more, thankfulness, let's look at what Proverbs has to say. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, are the issues of life. A vital key to allowing our souls to be prospered by God's goodness is watching how and what we think. You know, we're to tend our heart like a garden. You know, keep the negative external influences out. Pull up the internal weeds that want to take over and choke out the fruit. And just as importantly, or more importantly, we must feed the fruits or vegetables the right stuff. You know, I was never really a gardener, but when the girls were younger, we had rabbits. It was somewhat of an ordeal, but it was actually pretty cool, all in all. You know, first we built a house into the slant by our swing set and fort to moderate, so um, basically with the intent that it would moderate the seasonal temperature changes. And then I decided the rabbits needed some space to hop around, so I fenced in a small area around the hutch with a gate for the kids to enter. Then we realized there was a fox in our neighborhood. And then we started seeing a hawk, or as Steph would say, a peaky, peaky bird, who liked to circle around our yard. Any guesses why? Thus, 
I needed to build a top on the fenced area to keep the fox and the hawk out. And I built a wire floor at the bottom and planted clover so that the rabbits had something good to nibble on. Uh, you know, it seemed like they were insatiable in that regard. You know, so just, uh, I mean, to, to the point that I'm trying to make, similar to tending a garden or having rabbits, if you wish to prosper and be in health, our soul must prosper. And this takes effort. That's our part. You know, we need to diligently be on guard to prevent and not invite things contrary to God's design into our thoughts and heart. We also must stop our own internal fears, guilt, condemnation, etc. from choking out God's blessings, cutting them off through our own silliness and lack of understanding or acceptance of God's goodness, that he's love and loves us. You know, remember, God cares for us far more than the birds and flowers, nor has he ever had a bad thought about us. But then in addition to protecting or guarding and preventing the bad stuff coming in or getting rid of the negatives that want to bubble up on our own, we need to we need the spiritual and moral nutrition only available in God's word and in or with that we receive through our focused alone time with the Lord. So when we guard our thinking to let the mind of Christ reign and we spend the sweet time with God in prayer to listen and then obey and do what he tells us, that's when we can truly experience the joy of the family. You know, if Elena and the girls are not with me physically, or at least in my thoughts, I'm not experiencing the joy of my earthly family, right? Makes sense, correct? Well, Translate that to our spiritual family. Well, um, so that is the aspect of the soul, how we can allow God to prosper us even as our soul prospers. So now let's go to Genesis, Genesis 1, 27. In Genesis 1.27, we read, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. God, Man was created in God's own image. What's the image of God? Well, God is spirit. Adam and Eve and others in the Old Testament had God's spirit upon them as they walked in obedience. Likewise, but even to a greater degree, We're born again of God's Spirit. It's Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory, as it says in Colossians 1.27. You know, it's that perfect Spirit which God created in us that that provides us with our true, permanent connection with Him and with our spiritual family. In 1 John, 1 John 1, 1 John 1, 3 and 4. 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you 
that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write unto you, why? That your joy may be full. Fellowship with God, fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our family, that allows our joy to be full. You know, it's his, it's his true spirit and our fellowship with God and Christ Jesus that is our joy, that is how our joy is full. And once our joy is full, what happens? Then it can spill out to others, right? That's, he, that's the plan, that's the design, in case we missed it. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians 2. Verse 13, for it is God with which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Therefore, do all things without murmurings and disputings. See, it's God at work within me, in my spirit, and manifested via my body as I obey from the heart and mind what God has said. When I know that I've followed in obedient action what God has asked me to do, then the joy of the Lord is my strength. It feels good. It's exciting. It's fulfilling. You know, um, this is just a couple of quick things, but we're kind of running out of time. So, so there's so much more that could be said regarding our Holy Spirit and the joy we can experience. Maybe another time, who knows? But certainly, do yourself a favor. Take the time to do a deep read of Ephesians 1 and see what God, and see what God will electrify in your heart. It's a, great, it's a pretty cool chapter. They're all cool, but that, that's awesome. You know, God wants to permeate his holy, or God wants to permeate his joy, his power, his love throughout my and your entirety, our bodies, our soul, our spirits. When we get in alignment with God's will and gather around his word, we have joy with our family. You know, a few months ago, we had the opportunity to experience that joy of being with the family at the No Limits Conference here in Florida. You know, although that was good in its own right, allow your mind, just allow your mind to imagine how awesome and joy-filled it will be when Christ returns and we sit down as a full family, full spiritual family for the marriage supper of the Lamb and the beauty of what awaits us in eternity. You know, as, a good, as good as it can be here, Christ's return will be far, far better. Not only will we have a full family encounter, but we'll be fully like Jesus. You know, that gathering, it will be with our new perfect <laughs> bodies and our perfectly renewed minds in a new heaven and earth. You know, pretty, pretty wild to think about. Very good to think about, actually. 
So spend some time in Revelations 19, 1, chapters 19 through the end of the book of Revelations 22, 21. And I can pretty much guarantee if you read it and think about it, you'll likely echo John's response to what he saw and heard. His response was, even so, come, Lord Jesus. You know, so I I just want to close in Psalm 16. This promises to us as much as it was to the beautiful psalmist who penned it long ago. Psalm 16, 11. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Access to the joy of the family is when we allow ourselves to bask in the presence of the Lord. Let's take a decision today to be there often and always. So Heavenly Father, thank you God for having called us to your family to allow us to experience the true joy that only you can and have supplied. You have blessed me so wonderfully in my life through my family, my friends, your blessings, and especially through your faithfulness and for granting me access into your presence, which you so desire. Not because of my goodness, but by your grace. May my life bring joy to those with whom I come in touch and my obedience bring glory to you and to your Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.